Wolf and Luke. And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. This is going to make me look kind of freaky. Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. You're <laughs> devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. All right, it is the Wolf and Luke show. Lorenzo Alexander is in for Wolf right now as Wolf heads to Cincinnati for tomorrow night's game between the Cardinals and the Bengals. And, uh, Zoe, we are not that far away from college football season. In fact, locally, ASU's first game is three weeks from today. So it's it's, it's kind of feels like it's sneaking up, at least on me this year. College, not pro. Yeah, I get, oh. Oh, man, rookie mistake. Man, he pushed the arm button, you know? Man, so. Nobody uh, would have known. We could have blamed it on, on command and control. Yeah, I was going to do that, but I'm not throwing people uh, under the bus. Okay. Uh, I've been a little bit more in tune in college this year, too, getting a little bit more involved with, uh, you know, I went to, to Cal, so I'm a pack. I don't know what is it now. Well, I guess we're back to actually being a Pac-10. I think so. so. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we officially changed the name, but um, I, I've been following them pretty closely. I'm, I'm looking forward to Cal. They play uh, Notre Dame, which I was trying to get to, their, to that game this year. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but... Uh, yeah, it, it flies by, and um, I'm actually getting more intrigued. Like again, like I tell you, the further away I get from not playing, I'm I'm looking for ways to engage the game and, and watch football and try to see uh, some of the prospects that are that are coming out, especially my university. Yeah, you you sound like you sound like you're like I'm ready to be a football fan because sometimes you talk to former professional athletes. I've seen this a lot in hockey, where like some of them still like Shane Dunn still plays. I'm sure. Right. Oh uh, yeah. But then you got some <laughs> that are like I don't ever want to be near the ice again. I'm done. It's the same in football. Like some guys are just like I'm yeah. done with that. It, Hurt. Yeah, I, I have a friend that won't even go to a game, won't even go to a stadium right wow. now. So, I mean, it's it, it can be real in that way, but I, I think I've been away, and again, like I left the game on my own terms, so it's it's, it's a much different process for me. Um, but I've, I think I have um, cleansed myself with some of the negative things and thoughts and the way I felt when I was done from a physical standpoint that now allows me to kind of maybe re-engage the game from a different perspective, because I haven't had to watch film, a ton of film all the time, yeah. the off season, all this, and you get tired. Like, man, I don't want to watch none of this. Let me just get away and chill. Anything, almost anything that you have to do, even if like you love doing it, there are days where you're just like, all right, <laughs> but I have to do this right now on your schedule. Right, right. Uh, all right, so I want to play a couple of these clips. Brock Osweiler, obviously former ASU quarterback, former Broncos, uh, Texans, I don't know, he was all over the place in the mm-hmm. NFL, and he's going to be calling games, uh, college games this season for the first time in his career. So he was on with Bickley and Murata this morning, just sort of talking about the state of the game. And he talked about NILs, and, and to me, the problem problem with the NIL is is when you have it in tandem with the transfer portal where you can just kind of you know a player gets however much money let's say he gets $500,000 and he's he's at your school as a freshman and he gets really gets really good and, he, and maybe 500,000 is too high let's say like 80,000 gets really good by his sophomore year some other school comes along and they offer him $500,000 and he can just transfer with no sort of repercussions it's like free agency all the time right so who, who's giving them the NIL deal? The school is getting it for him? I guess technically it is a, a business around town, right? I mean, whatever. They're going through the school, basically. Right, They're doing yeah. it for the school. Something I would explore. And I don't know if schools may. And they probably can't do it as a reason why they, they haven't done it. But if I was a coach... And I, and I would be okay with this as, as, as a parent because you're making a commitment both ways. And so... 
if you're getting an NIL deal through me, I would make you forfeit your right to just to jump into the portal. You know, barring some exceptions of of something significant, you know, malpractice or bad coaching, something like that to happen. But to ha- have somebody come to me like it's Miami, be a good reason, right? That yeah. I, hey, we got you, we recruited you. I, I you know, I got you a hundred thousand dollar deal, and then uh, and you agree to it up front, very transparent process, and then later on, because somebody else or another school comes, offers you more. That's now you can just leave and break that contract and use that over my head. That 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 would that would be really hard for me as a coach, obviously, to deal with, which is this is what they're going through right now. And then as a parent, I wouldn't want my child doing that. And obviously, my kid is going to come from a much different background. But even when I was coming up, my uncle wouldn't have let me do that. And I, and I was a low income kid because at some time it comes about character and what you want to do. And if you're in a contract with somebody, maybe it's just year to year or maybe two years, so you can't just leave automatically. There has to be some type of a you get X Y Z, and but you also have to forfeit X Y Z. Much like how an NFL contract works, right? A team can't just say, "Hey, we want to pay uh, Tom Brady fifty million dollars a year." Now I can just pull him from Tampa Bay. And so I think, think since we've turned it into professional sports, without saying it is, yeah, there needs to be a little bit more structure around it. And because they've been so slow about creating the structure, it's just like the wild wild west. So they need to think about trying to create some parameters that make it fair. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing because the, any pushback you get on this conversation is people being like, okay, well, these kids have the right to make money. I don't really have a problem with no. that. There, there probably should be a cap on how much you're making as an 18-year-old. But, I would say no. But, if I'm valuable at that much money, right, whether, whether we like it or not, if I have that many social media hits or whatever that creates this value that people are willing to pay for me, then I should be able to, to, to earn that. But at the same time, if the school is doing this, it's different when it's outside. So if the school says, I'm bringing you this deal and you say, okay, then I feel like the school could also should be able to ask you, hey, well, I need you to forfeit your portal rights. Yeah. For, for XYZ years, for something, maybe two years. Something, something like it, because that, that to me is the biggest issue is the fact that you can just, because that's not even a money thing. It can just be like, ah, I don't like the way I'm being coached. So, and not, not like my coach is a jerk and I need to get out of here, right. but just like I wanted to be playing more last week, so I'm just going to leave. Yeah, it, has, it, it needs to be a little bit more structured in the way it works because it, 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 it is crazy how easy it is just to shift where in life you don't have that ability to do it. So we're actually you can't even do that kids, in the NFL. Yeah, just, but I'm just saying this in general. You just can't say, well, you can retire, but you couldn't switch to a new team. Yeah, you, you just you can't move, remove yourself from issues that easily once you're done with the game. So why are we setting our kids up to be in this position? There needs to be for what we, our, our society likes to swing from pendulum to pendulum. You know, I don't believe a, a kid should be locked in and. Has to deal with regardless of whatever the situation, just deal with no, it. No, there's some gray area. But there also shouldn't be like, hey, ah, like you say, you didn't start me today, so I'm, I'm out of here. I'm gone. What? That, that that doesn't that doesn't make sense. And 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 obviously, some of these kids don't have advocates or people to help them make these decisions, make wise decisions. Um, and they're just doing it, and there's no way for the coach to kind of kind of keep them in it so they can work it out. So there needs to be more structure. Obviously, the, the NC2A resisted it for so long, so it became like this. So I don't know what that looks like to get more structure around it so that it's a more fair process to all parties, parties involved. Because if you're just bouncing around year to year as a 
Can you not set yourself up to go to the league Mm-mm. or to be successful in life long term? It's just this instant gratification of that hundred thousand, which is really like fifty, right? And then you gonna splurge through that pretty quickly because you if you making those decisions like I'm moving because of money that quickly, you're probably gonna burn through the money, the money too yeah. as well. <laughs> so then you leave college, you don't have any money, you bounced around, maybe you have your, your degree, but you don't have any relationships, some other stuff that I think is important in life in order to be successful as you transition into the real world. Well, and I'm not even so much worried about like the 18, 19 year olds now. Like if it's more, and I hear what you're saying, there's obviously an issue, but like if, if this is just the way we're going to do it, what about the kids like 10 years from now when this is just, this is normalcy and it's just, this is the way it's always been and this is how you grew up watching college football where guys just switch teams every year. This is uh, Brock Osweiler who was on with Bickler and, and Murata this morning saying, yeah, you, you have to control this on some level. Sooner rather than later, there will be some parameters around NIL to keep it, you know, hey, let the players benefit for what they're bringing to the universities, but let's also keep it amateur athletic. And then there's also this, too, from Brock. Some coaches are afraid to coach up their players at practice because if they get after that kid a little bit, which in the end they're doing that because they want to get that player better because they care about him, they're afraid that that kid's going to take offense to that and transfer the next day and go wherever the money is. Every time I hear stuff like this, though, I just think of, like, if you are if you are internally motivated and you're committed to what you want to do where yeah. you want to do it I think you're going to have such a tremendous advantage you know if you're like 15 right. right now listening like when you get to college and you're playing college football or basketball or whatever sport you're going to have a huge advantage because a lot of people around you are going to be like nah the system told me I just bounce around whenever I don't get exactly what I want right yeah and I agree with that I, I, I may take a little halt to what Brock said about coaches being scared to coach their players there's a lot of coaches like you know, we've talked about it. it's some bad coaching going on too. Yeah. Well, that's and you yeah. yelling and screaming and cussing me out and telling me how bad I am right now is not necessarily productive coaching and it's not helping. So I also think there's there's accountability on both sides. There needs to be some structure. But coaches, you can coach a kid hard without making him feel like he's disrespected and but learning at the same time. And so I think there needs to be on both sides a little bit more accountability and intentionality as far as how I'm communicating this because I coach I coach pretty hard. But I'm never going to demean a kid and make a kid feel like, oh, I, I, and I'm going to leave. And if a kid is ready to go because I'm challenging him in, in, in a in a positive way, you really don't want him anyway. Yeah. I mean, I don't want you. That, that's From true. my perspective, he may be a top tier, so it may look bad from a university standpoint. And, and, I, and I guess I'm in it for different reasons. Some people, this is their job and livelihood. But... You don't want a kid that's because he's going to quit on you at some time because it's going to get hard and he's not going to be that five star athlete on the field because it's hard. That's true. I guess I'm thinking more like you just don't want to normalize it so we get to a point in five or six years where everybody that's just that's the that's the fallback of I'll just quit. It's not one or two guys on your team. Uh, we come back. We got Lorenzo Alexander in for Wolf right now, so we're going to go around this Cardinals defense and answer any questions that might be coming up with this team as they head into their first preseason game in Cincinnati tomorrow. That's Next, it's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. Wolf and Luke on 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Uh, we are getting close. 
I know tomorrow's a preseason game. It's not an NFL game. Regular season. If Wolf is uh, not on the plane yet, he's probably yelling that at the radio right now. It's not an actual regular season game. It's a preseason game. But it's still, it's the start of football. In fact, there's a couple of uh, games tonight. Ravens-Titans is uh, is one of them. So we are, mm. this is not just like the Hall of Fame game. This is, okay, Giants-Patriots and uh, Ravens-Titans tonight. So you're at the point, you were saying earlier, like it is, it's more and more enjoyable for you to watch football now that you're a couple years removed from playing. Right. Like, are you watching random preseason games? Uh, well, today is a bad day because uh, I have football practice. No, so, okay. like, you know. That's an excuse it, to miss it, football yeah, yeah, for football. Right. So if, if the Super Bowl is on and I have practice with my 7, 8-year-olds, yeah. 11, 12, I'm at football. I, don't, I can care less, right? I'm, <laughs> it's about what, what's important to me right now, as I tell my kids all the time. Um, and then my daughter's birthday. So we have dinner after practice. Um, I moved it up so I could get my practice in and celebrate my daughter. That's smart. See, yeah, you see what I'm right saying? There. Yeah, so um, we have dinner tonight. So I'll be celebrating with her. So I doubt I'll catch any of the games live. Maybe check out some of the highlights or whatnot. But I'm um, looking forward to tomorrow um, yeah. watching that Cincinnati game versus obviously us. Uh, so a couple things on this defense. And I know it's very early with some of these guys. But the talk around this defense coming into camp and throughout the offseason was, okay, there's some question marks on this defense. And question mark doesn't mean bad. Question mark just means you don't know what you have yet. You know, right. I would I would say looking at this Cardinals team, on offense, you have a pretty good sense, or at least a better sense of what you, you should have in these guys. Whereas on defense, you know, we talked about Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins earlier. You don't really have a guy that you went out and got to replace Chandler Jones one for one. Now, maybe that's Dennis Gardeck. I, I shouldn't say maybe. It's it's not going to be one There's guy. no one for one on this roster yeah, for, Ch- for Chandler. There's, there's, there's really one for one. I was about to say yeah. <laughs> in the league for Chandler Jones. So do you think on some level maybe that's why they have approached it this way of, okay, well, I saw some list the other day, and, and not that that list was the be-all, but it just kind of crystallized it. They had Chandler Jones, I think, third in the NFL in terms of ed rush, edge rushers of just like guys you would like to have on your team. Well, you're not going to go out and get the first two, and you're right. probably going to get four, five, or six. So I wonder if that was the Cardinals' approach of, let's draft a couple guys in the third yeah. round, and let's see what Dennis Gardeck can do, and Victor DiMichegi, and Devon Kennard. Can you get by with a defense like that that doesn't necessarily have a pure pass rusher other than maybe Marcus Gold? Yeah, I mean, there's probably different ways you can do it. I mean, there's a variety from from schematic, right, where you have simulated pressure, where you look like you're going to blitz and maybe you overload one side. You're still rushing or rushing four guys, but it looks like or feels like a blitz. So you overload stuff. You obviously have guys running games, uh, ET games when the end is going first, tackle coming around, or vice versa, TE games when the tackle's going first, end coming around, and a variety of things that look like that to where you're working together to defeat a guy. Or, again, from a rushing standpoint, you know, whether it's J.J., where it's Marcus, whether it's an interior exterior lineman, who is the fish on that off of the line that you're going against? Who is the guy that is just trash? And let's try to isolate him and get after him. Um, and then lastly, with Vance and some blitzes, some pressures, mixing things up, um, all those things can allow you to obviously – um, make up for when you only need to rush four because you have guys up front like a Chandler Jones and a Marcus Golden. We don't feel like I have to put pressure or do anything special or sexy to get sacks. And, and I'll say this, and I think this is probably why Cliff is calling out Mark um, Marco Wilson a little bit, is that it is complimentary, right? I have some guys that shutting some guys on the outside. If my rush is a little subpar, knowing that I have, I really like the way Marco Wilson played last year as well as Byron Murphy. If those guys stand up and play as well as they did the 
the beginning of the season, all season. Then you can add some additional pressures, some hits on the quarterback, maybe some sacks or f- uh, sack fumbles because those guys are playing at a high level. And so that could be a way where he's helping the defense out or the defensive line by challenging a player that's not necessarily always associated with pressure on the quarterback. That's an interesting thought because Cliff doesn't typically, at least in his first three years here, we haven't really heard him talk about a player in a way where, and the way he said it, it was like the jury's still out on Marco Wilson. We yeah. haven't really heard him do that by name, and especially a defensive player. It's not like Cliff doesn't know what's going on in the defense, but he's obviously here because he's an offensive mind. No, he's yeah. the head coach, so he, right. you know he has that right, but there's... Cliff doesn't typically say stuff in these press conferences without intentionally doing right. it. Right, and that should mean something then. I mean, right, when a guy does it all the time, like B.A. would do it all the time, like, okay, yeah. all right, B.A., all right, dang, man, B.A. <laughs> so it almost becomes more like a joke, but, like, when you rarely do those things or it's the first time you're doing it, it's like, oh, it must be something here. And if I'm Marco Wilson, I'm like, okay, they think. if it, For Cliff to do it, for somebody to come out of character as far as how he addresses players and put it in the media, then they must know uh, or must see something that I can take it to another level. Because it's his sophomore year. Most guys have a successful fr- a freshman year, a rookie year, which I thought he did until he had some injuries. And you kind of relax. You think you have it kind of figured out or the expectations. And it happens to a lot of guys. So it's not just him. It's just a second-year player type of thing they go into. A slump. That's a sophomore slump. Right? A sophomore yeah. slump. So let us address it before it becomes this issue because we can kind of see it. We see you doing what you need to do. But you can take it over, right? It's kind of like what we talk about with D.A. sometimes. In his mind, he's working hard. But he's not working CP3 hard, right? So, <laughs> what hey, did you say before? If you don't know, you don't know? Yeah, yeah right. If you don't know, you don't, you don't know what you don't know, right? And so he he may think he's working hard in his mind. I'm doing everything, taking care of my body. But it's still below the next level standard for you to go be a pro bowler, an all pro. A guy that somebody's looking at, to, this is your, your shutdown. Right, you're not working to that level. You're working good enough to be a starter, but you have so much more potential in you, and you need to work to that level to access that ability to afford to come out. Well, and he's got Antonio Hamilton pushing him too. Uh, if you watch practice for very long this off season or this uh, this training camp, you've seen Antonio Hamilton make plays. Depending who you talk to, there is a belief that he might be pressing him for that. It's it's kind of these aren't really how ha- this isn't the proper terminology, but to be the the second best corner on this team. I mean, you're going to use all three anyway. Yeah, yeah, they're all going to be on the field. That'll be semantics. I doubt they'll put him as a starter, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in these preseasons because well, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you can lose lose your job right by by the way another guy plays or maybe, you know, but we'll see. We'll see how that plays. I don't, I don't see that quite happening quite yet. Um... But we'll see as the season progresses. But you want guys pressing your, your starters, right? You know, if you have more competition in those rooms, you have more guys that you can rely on, and those top-tier guys can't get comfortable. Because you're, when you're comfortable and you're young, it can be your worst enemy. It's hard, it's hard to learn how to work when, you, when you've got it all, right? I've been pay, I got my money, right? He hasn't got his second contract, but he's in the league, so he's making good money. Yeah. I'm a starter, right? Uh, I played well last year. Um, it's easy to kind of just 
just sit and chill, man. I, this is what I asked for. But yeah. you have somebody constantly pushing up against you. Oh man, and coaches pointing me out. Oh man, maybe I do need to climb up. And, and you definitely like to have that, especially with young guys who haven't figured out how to make it their own quite yet. Well, we constantly hear and talk about how the Cardinals are either going to bring in a veteran corner or they're bringing guys in for workouts. They did that earlier this week. Um, you know, they they keep doing it. I think they brought in DeAndre Baker for a, a workout yeah. as well. So they they need Antonio Hamilton to take that next step and I still think they need to go out and get a vet because Hamilton's not super experienced but he played well at times last year so if he if he takes a step and you have Marco Wilson and you have Byron Murphy who we're all just assuming oh, yeah you're fine right we don't even have to look at you right, right Byron right. I mean you still probably need a vet in there in that group too don't you because that's a pretty young group and you don't have a ton of depth behind yeah but him. you know Marcus Robinson uh, their, their DB coach he played in the league a long time so he has experience from a player perspective and that's why you have a former coach you know that's a former player that's a coach can sometimes offer that this is how you do it as from a player's perspective yes I'm your coach but I can also offer you that you don't necessarily have to have a veteran in their room to be productive it's nice but you don't have to force it I see what you're saying so not necessarily from an experience standpoint but from a depth standpoint you still need from another a, guy that yeah, can play yeah, but yeah. from a depth standpoint that's, that's a little right, right. Yeah. but he doesn't have to be older can he play can he do well do we trust him cool but he doesn't have to be a guy that's been in the league seven eight years and you want him to be a depth guy uh for for it to work because you have in rob who's a db coach who played and can offer some of those other little nuances to help those guys rise their game um you know and within the db room if you are going to add somebody if, if steve kime's going to do the kime time sign here at some point throughout training camp is there one position you look at and say that's probably the one i would address because corner pretty consistently has been it, it. Most people's answer has been corner or edge rusher. And would I'd like to have Chandler Jones? Yes, I would. But I think that I don't know. To me, in this league, and you're playing the the AFC West this season too. Like I, it, the Cardinals do not have an easy schedule. I, I, as much corner depth as you could possibly get, I would just <laughs> welcome it all in. Right? I know every team says that. Yeah, I mean, you got to have because somebody's going to you know end up getting you know nicked up or something at some point. You just don't know where that's going to be. You know, and so that's why Steve is always working out guys anyway. So he has a great inventory of what's out there, what's available, and he'll probably identify if he hasn't already a guy that he wants to bring in and. And again, a position, I mean, you're good either way. Uh, but to your point, because of who you're playing and the opponents, you got to look at that and where would that, that position be most advantageous as far as your ro- roster makeup moving forward. Or maybe even bring a guy and just put him on practice squad because there is, you know, with the new rules yeah. and, and people were doing this during COVID too, you can have uh, it may be two spots. I think it's just two spots maximum where if I wanted to, I could come out of retirement and be on practice squad, right? And maybe you stash a guy there that's not quite getting signed, but he still wants to play, but nobody's picked him up yet and kind of have him there until he's ready to play or you need him to play. Much like they did, well, I think they did that with uh, Prince of Makamura maybe a couple of seasons yeah. ago. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's something right there. When we come back, we'll go around the National Football League. Tua. We've heard a lot of people talk about Tua, but uh, now we're actually going to hear Tua talk about the uh, the situation with uh, with Tom Brady and all that kind of craziness going on around the Dolphins. And by the way, Brady's also leaving Buccaneers camp for about a week or two. We'll explain all that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show. Lorenzo Alexander in for Wolf on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. 
Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Alexander in for Wolf this afternoon. It is the Wolf and Luke show. Wolf is on his way to the game in Cincinnati to call the game against the Bengals tomorrow night. Uh, so we were talking about when you first got in here earlier, the the Nikhil Harry story where he's having tightrope surgery or has had it now and is out for uh, for eight weeks. So I looked up what tightrope surgery is. It uh, sounds very painful. Yeah, <laughs> I asked all all you surgery and, is painful, but yes. That, well, because I asked you and Wolf before, like, okay, you guys have played in the NFL. Maybe you've, like, you've heard of a teammate yeah, that's no. had this. No. Now, it, Lauren brought this up before. It sounds like Tua has actually – Tua had it in Alabama, right? Okay, so Tua apparently has had it, and I remember that, that was the, the issue he had in college was like, all right, we don't know what this is going to do to his career. That was a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's the syndesmosis, which is a strong band of ligaments that connects the fibula to the tibia. You don't want to injure that. No, not at all. You don't want to injure any of it, uh, let alone that. And then the surgery is stuffing it back in so they don't have to use screws. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's just it's amazing how far science has come. Yeah. Because, you know, 15, 20 years ago, he's probably, his career is probably close to being over and not even have an opportunity to come back. And so uh, that's just really intriguing how they can just do these things these days to make sure guys get back on the field and have an opportunity to achieve their dream. And so hopefully that, that process goes well. I mean, you said he may miss eight weeks having that type of surgery, which doesn't sound pleasant at all when they stuff your ligaments up against yeah, your tibia. Yeah, anytime you have surgery and they say we just stuff it back in there, that's not ever good. <laughs> like you're a, like a stuffed animal. Yeah, which which is crazy. Is that, what is that, uh, MD? What is that? What, what are you where looking am up? I? Yeah. Uh, I don't even know where this Web is. WebMD? This is, uh, yeah, so this I'm isn't even sure, WebMD. I'm pretty sure it's a little bit more... Um, <laughs> Strategic than just stuffing, but <laughs> there's you know, more technical terms, right? Right, yeah, a little, little bit more layered than that. But it's it's just cool to, that a guy has an opportunity. I mean, similar to me, I mean, my Liz Frank that I sustained when I was here, Robert Anderson did mine. You know, world renowned foot doctor, much like the Doctor Andrews of the foot and ankle, who's probably. If he's not doing his, probably one of his understudies is going to be working on Nikhil's ankle. Uh, my career would have been over. So it's just the medicine is is awesome how far it's advancing. Hey, that's another outlet for all you kids out there who don't make it to the league. Become a surgeon. You know, guys are always going to get hurt. You can go and be a, a team doctor or surgeon and put guys back together so they can go out and live their dreams. Uh, we know we mentioned Tua. Tua is, um, it would it would appear, and I don't blame him, getting kind of tired of hearing about Tom Brady as the quarterback the Dolphins want instead of Tua. First of all, it's Tom Brady. Most teams are going to want Tom Brady right, over yeah. him. That's not bad. But, you know, to the earlier conversation we were having about Kevin Durant, you know, if you're Mikel Bridges or Cam Johnson or whoever, Jalen Brown, you don't want to hear that Kevin Durant's better than you. you. If you felt that way, you wouldn't get to the level you're at thinking other, everybody else is better than you. But, or you, even but you know that. You know you know it. You know deep that's down. like that's like me saying, oh, "Man, you I, I, you know somebody says uh, Von Miller, Chandler Jones is better than you." Okay, you know what I mean. What, yeah. what do you want? Me? No, they're yeah. not. <laughs> they're not better than me. No, but I don't need I'm to hear pri- about it. I'm that prideful. Yeah, right. I don't need <laughs> to hear about it. But you you understand. And, and to Tua's point, what how I always try to look through it. Right, I try to look at it from uh, the more positive side. As, but I'm the one you have right now. I'm the one here. This is my opportunity still because Tom is not here. You may want him, but I'm still here. So as a player, 
that's how you have to compartmentalize it. You may not like what they're saying or what they may be doing. Maybe they're backing you up. Maybe they are. But you have to realize where you at and not allow those negative thoughts and negative comments around your game to impact you moving forward. Because it's already hard enough, right? He already has some limitations. He's had this surgery that we're talking about. That, he has that we to, didn't even know existed right, until two hours. <laughs> that he has to overcome. So don't allow all the, 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 the distractions, the other, you know, talk, the stuff that you cannot control. You can't control what a GM or who's better than you. All you can do is control your work, put your work and your effort in, and go lay it out on the line. I guarantee you if you do that, you're going to succeed more than not. Mm-hmm. And then if you do fail, you, you, you're going to live with no regret or with minimal regret as far as the way you approach your opportunity. Well, this was to uh, uh, yesterday when he was asked about Brady yet again. I mean, I'm still here, so. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> I'm still here. I, to me, that's all noise at this point. Yeah, well, what is he supposed to do? Is he yeah, supposed to I leave mean, and be like, right. oh, he's going to get still Brady here. here? Why are y'all still asking me about this? Tom is on sabbatical right now in, in, in Tampa, yeah. so he's not here. Or maybe they think he's coming up, driving up oh, or down boy. to oh, where I guess it's up, up to Miami, yeah, down to Miami. Yeah, a little bit east. Yeah, yeah, east of Miami. Maybe they think he's on his way yeah. to Miami to take to his job or something. That's why they keep <laughs> asking him about it. It's, get over it, all right? Tua can't give yeah. me an answer. <laughs> right. I don't know where Tom is. Uh, here's uh, more from the NFL. As, as much as we want to get away from the story, it keeps coming up. Uh, Deshaun Watson's going to start preseason game number one for the Browns. Here's Diana Rossini. I wasn't surprised because I know that the Browns want to get him on the field as much as possible to get that rust off. Um, you know, I think it's important to point out that Cleveland has a set of plans for all the different situations. And right now, they, they're they riding on the situation that Deshaun Watson is going to be out the first six games. And they've got to operate like that. And if you think about it, guys, they're actually put in a really tough spot because they've got to figure out who the quarterback really truly is, the quarterbacks that need the work. They've got to get this offense going. I, I can't imagine... It's it's easy right now in Cleveland, knowing that everything is really up in the air. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to what she just said, though. But all I can think is Cleveland put themselves in this position. Damn. Oh yeah, it's self-inflicted. I yeah. mean, they knew he was going to get some sort of time, and so I'm pretty sure they've had a plan, knowing that he was going to get some suspension. We knew that for sure. Let him play, let him get his stuff worked out, and then uh, what is it, Brissett? Is, is his backup is probably going to end up be starting for the season and and work him in and probably let him play game two, let him let uh, Watson play game three, and then rock with Brissett until until uh, Watson can come back. So it's an unfortunate issue, but the, to your point, they put it on themselves. I, I want to ask you something off of that. Did you? And maybe this was a meme. I, I'm in this group chat with all my boys from back home, okay. and so the first thing he was like, "Man, did, did y'all realize that the National Massage Therapist Convention is actually in Cleveland oh, this week too?" <laughs> And so I didn't, be true. I didn't I, me, I thought I say, is this an NFL meme or is this, oh my God, he's like, I said, wow. I, part of me wants to look it up to give you confirmation <laughs> on the air, but part of me doesn't want to look that up on a work computer. Because <laughs> <laughs> then I won't be at this station tomorrow. So, but that would just be, that would almost be um, 
too ironic, wouldn't it? It, if that were actually it, it, the case? it was just crazy. I just, you know, just to add, you know, insult to injury that now you have to deal with that as well. Well, and the other thing that the Cleveland is dealing with is you still don't know what the suspension is. Here's uh, Jeremy Fowler real quick. Just spoke with a Browns official, and I was told that they're loosely expecting a resolution or decision this week, by the end of this work week, because they're taking the word the league by their word that this will be a expedited appeal process. So in theory, Watson could get a ruling about how many games he can play this year, if at all, before he takes the field Friday night in preseason action. I talked to somebody involved in the case. They said there's always room for a potential settlement talks because the league has made proposals of a settlement in past weeks. So it's maybe a certain amount of games and a fine, but that would have to pick up right now. Right? You know, Everybody's really waiting on Peter C. Harvey, the appeal arbitrator, to make his ruling here. And, and meanwhile, the Browns like what they see from Watson on the practice field. They want to see him in game action. So regardless, he will take the field against Jacksonville. Look, I tell you what, if you're expecting a ruling by the end of this week, it's Thursday afternoon. I mean, it doesn't mean it won't happen. Their game, their preseason yeah. game, which isn't impacted by the ruling, is tomorrow night against Jacksonville. But I don't know that one's coming down this week unless they are really hunkering down and trying to make sure it gets done. I mean, but the ruling really doesn't impact their initial planning because you got to get ready to play week one. Week two, week three, week three, four, five, six, right? Yeah, either so way, he's, he's, going, out, he's, he's out for sure for that long. So, no, the ruling is not going to change what they're doing right now. Uh, and, I mean, based on everything I've heard, I mean, I think he's going to be out at least a year. Do you really think he's going to be out a year? I mean, I mean, good day. I mean, the, the, the initial arbitrator pretty much said he did everything. I, I believe he did as egregious. But because you, NFL, have been so soft in dealing with these issues in the past, I, I can only, based on the president you have set, have done, I can only give him six games. So I think in my mind that tells me, okay, all right, well, we got to be a little bit harsher, especially to, to appease public opinion and the culture shift that we're, that we're currently in and rightfully so, that it's going to be a lease. Because they want it indefinite to where he had to to resubmit to play. Back in, yeah. right? where I, so I think a, a, a happy medium is a fine in a year. You just come back after the year is over. Well, either way, it's going up from six games almost uh, certainly. All right, when we come back, we will uh, wrap up the show. One last look ahead to tomorrow night's game between the Cardinals and the Bengals. Lorenzo Alexander is in for Wolf today. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Zones and Home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. All right, before we get back into football, so we've uh, heard it in the updates. Shams tweeted out uh, about an hour or so ago that uh, Bill Russell is going to have his number retired across the league. So number oh, six. Wow. So I did a little research, believe it or not, during one of the breaks. And uh, there are 25 current players, is that right, that are, are currently wearing the number six? Yeah, 25. So obviously LeBron, LeBron is the big one. Right, yep. They don't have to change it. If you, you get grandfathered in, I guess, if you're currently wearing number six, um, but those guys, I, I, I can almost guarantee you all those guys will switch it. Maybe, and, it, and it's going to be led by LeBron, but I can see them doing it. But he just switched his number this year, right? Yeah, he's gone back and forth between 6 and 23 so many times. that I mean, yeah, this year. This, he just he switched, switched back to 6. To six. Yeah. So from a, I don't know what the you know the financial standpoint is for. People just probably bought his jerseys yeah. and he's going to switch again. <laughs> but, it, but Bill Russell passing and he get his number retired, if it was ever a reason to say yeah. hey, out of homage to him, I'm going to switch. 
switch back to 23, that would be this would be it. LeBron has gone 23 from 2004 to 2010, then the 6 to 2014, then back to 23 to 2018, then 23 at the Lakers, obviously, all the way through 21, and then switch back over to 6 last year, like you said. And that's So it's not it's not what it used to be if like somebody, if Michael Jordan had to change his number back in the Right, day. right. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, okay, now back to the Cardinals here with, uh, with our show tomorrow will be a little bit shorter because the game starts at 4.30, so Cardinals coverage will be starting earlier than usual tomorrow, and also they'll typically play on Fridays. But so this can be our last chance to talk about this on the air before the game actually starts. So let's let's begin with Kyler Murray. The fact that you heard Cliff earlier say, okay, he's not playing tomorrow. He may not play much. He might not play at all, honestly, this right. uh, this preseason. If you had asked me like two years ago, would I have said like, okay, Kyler Murray's got to get out there? Yeah, maybe. Not a ton, but maybe a little bit. But honestly, specifically with Kyler, what we saw last year where he was barely out there at all in the preseason, I think even that was probably a little bit of a push to get him out there when you look around and your contemporaries on other teams aren't playing at all in the preseason. Right. I don't think he needs it. I mean, I'd like to see him on the field more in camp. He's kind of had a disjointed start, but right. I don't know. I mean, yeah, does it I really mean, matter? Yeah, that's where you want to get your work out. Is, is, is in practice in camp, in simulated um, right, uh, game um, uh, opportunities uh, throughout practice where there's two minute, four minute, you know, last play, first series overdrive, first series after halftime. Simulate those things in practice because then you minimize the risk. Because the last thing you want to do is put him out there and he suffers an injury. Even I mean, even though that's probably low on the scale, it is football. And unless I'm, I'm thinking about as a coach is putting all my starters out there, which they're not going to do. I'm not. I'm not putting my starting quarterback out there without the guys that I, I believe the most in to protect him and allow him to have success because that's the last thing you want to have is go out there and have like a disjointed operation where you can recover from it because it is a preseason game but every time you step on the field you want to be operating at a high level with some with some rhythm to your game and, and having your guys that are going to be out there with him down in and down out are supposed to be barn injury gives you the best opportunity to, to create that yeah because what are you really getting out of having him out there in that situation you're just Describing right now, where the, all the other starters are out there anyway. I mean, some yeah. of them would be out there, but like you said, Rodney Hudson, it doesn't seem like he's going to be out right. there in the preseason. Yeah, none really. And then you got to think about your opponents who you're playing. Most of them aren't playing their starters defensively, right? I, I doubt. Let's, for example, if they were playing the Rams, I know they're not. Aaron Donald and, and, and Ramsey and, and all the guys that you're going to actually be competing against during the season, right, are not going to be out there guarding your receivers or trying to get past your offensive line. So what are you really trying to create or what are you really doing when you're not going against their ones either? And so I think that's why since you're not playing your ones, we're not playing ours. It really is not beneficial. Let's get our work out and practice. I can create the simulated uh, situations there in a more controlled environment where I pretty much take out all the risk of my quarterback getting injured, which at the end of the season or at the end of the day, anybody that loses their starting quarterback is not going to have a great season. The uh, yeah, That's the understatement <laughs> yeah. of the show. Um, the the talk of uh, of camp the last couple of days, Manny Jones, the rookie, his impersonation of Kyler Murray, A.J. Green talked about that. That was, that was about a, hey, that was a good one. The way he walked in with his durag on in the shades <laughs> and the way he answered the questions, that was spot on. That was, that was fun. Uh, but it was uh, K1 was laughing, so that was good. That was positive too. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's good, right? If you're a rookie and you got to go out there and perform in front of the team, and you're gonna you're gonna impersonate the starting quarterback, 
he better be laughing because if he's looking at you like, who is this guy? Get him out of here. That's not great. That would say, I think, more about Kyle if he wasn't laughing. That's, I would yeah, agree take with you it It's a, a, a joke. So I'm glad, yeah, it was all fun and games. And that's one of the fun things that training camp has kind of lost in some ways, you know, because guys took it so far the other way. But it was always cool to see the skits and the rookies get up and have to sing or do something silly, especially at the rookie show. And so it's cool to kind of hear that they still got that a little bit going on. But that was always a fun time, especially if he was the vet and didn't have to. Yeah. You just got to sit back. <laughs> it's and, not fun for and, everybody. Right, <laughs> and have no pressure on you. So after you go through it, you want to see it every year. Uh, they showed, uh, for anybody that's watched Hard Knocks too, Aiden Hutchinson had to, uh, I don't know if he had to specifically Sing Billy Jean, oh, yeah, or he, yeah, yeah, but he got the he got the entire team. Look, from what I've seen of Hard Knocks so far, the Lions at least seem united in whatever they're doing. Now I don't know what they're doing. I'm not going to say too much because what they were doing last year was not win a lot of games, but still beat the Cardinals. So that's why I'm not going to say a lot. But uh, yeah, even Aiden Hutchinson, even uh, being picked there where he was, I think he said 23 million dollar signing bonus. Oh yeah, yeah, man, they, a rookie's a rookie. I mean, yeah. that money's just what the team decided to give you. You a rookie? I don't care <laughs> first rounder, overall pick, or the last guy undrafted. You were a rookie, so you got to be treated like when you got to earn your stripes. This uh, more from AJ Green. They asked him what he had to do as a rookie. I got off easy. I got off with a group. It was me, Andrew Hawkins, and a couple other guys. We played played our receiver room, and he was a coach, and I basically played myself in there. So I got off pretty easy. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's about as good as yeah. AJ, we need you to do an impersonation of yourself. Right. Like okay, I can do that. I, I wish it was that easy for me. I mean, we had to sing, we had to do skits. I wonder if he had to carry helmets or any of that. Do lunch. I mean, I, I remember I had to do breakfast every day during this is during the season so it's a little outside of the scope of training camp uh, and then our, our, our rookie dinner was on I, that's what I want to ask AJ because he was a high yeah. pick what, what was your rookie dinner how much money you have to spend on that and if he said I got out of that then I'm upset yeah, those can get up uh, until like the tens of thousands right because I was on practice squad and I didn't get out of mine really no Even, oh. no I mean we had a third rounder that paid most of it we had a six rounder and then me but my mine's percentage wise was probably the highest out of everybody. That's you got to go back and get some of that money back now. Yeah, I had one guy. It would have been more, but I forget, it might have been Pep. Pep paid it, I, my my share of it was three grand back then. I made about three grand a, a week. Yeah, that's right. Practice squad was eighty grand a year. So my my one of my week's check was at. Julius Peppers paid a thousand of it, but I still had to pay two thousand of it. Jeez, that's uh, no way to start off your career, although apparently it worked out. Yeah, Zoe, we appreciate this man, Wolf, uh, wandering off to go watch football. So we appreciate you stepping in here for a little bit. You always, I love it. And we're going to be talking to you a lot throughout the season. We always look forward to that. I know the listeners do as well, and and certainly your insights, especially on guys like Zayvon Collins. That was good stuff. Anybody that didn't hear that earlier, if you are wondering about Zayvon Collins and and the start to his career, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast from today with Zoe explaining what Zaven Collins is facing heading into year two. Thanks to Zoe. Thanks to Jesse Morrison and Lauren Koval behind the glass. For Wolf, I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.